Welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and I'm a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur. Each week, I interview some of the best minds on the planet on the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Come take this journey with me. Excuses are over. It's time to live. Not having my father around, I sort of... I wanted the role of, I guess, taking over. I hated seeing her do so much work. So literally at like 10, 11 years old, I was just thinking of ways to make money or something in me triggered and uh, it just it went from there. Because we get that inventory that story that differentiates us and everybody else, we do Another option is that we build the wife's Like first, we just go and just We build itineraries life by life. I want to be out of my comfort zone. Like I went to Israel by myself just to go, just to see what it's about. A lot of people are saying, wow, that's crazy. Don't do that. You don't know anybody. But I said, after that, I'm calling, I'm calling, I'm calling. Okay, before we jump into this interview, I want to invite you to be considered for my 2019 Traveling Mastermind. So go to workhardplayhardmastermind.com and fill out the application and we'll jump on a call to see if you're a great fit. This year we'll be in Boston doing lots of cool things like training with Tom Brady's trainer, Alex Guerrero. In the middle of the year, we'll be heading to Monaco doing things like vintage car rides through the French Riviera. And then we're going to wrap the year in Florence, Italy, doing things like truffle hunting and hot air ballooning over Florence. Look, Life is all about fulfillment, and I really try and walk the walk. So if you are looking to be part of our tribe of 28 high-achieving entrepreneurs that are in the six- and seven-figure range, fill out your application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com to be considered. So think of the mastermind as having two parts. The first is the trip itself. And the second part is what goes on over the four days within the mastermind. Our group of 28 entrepreneurs will help you brainstorm and accelerate what you want to achieve in 2019. And we'll do that through a variety of different exercises, brainstorming activities, breakout sessions, goal setting sessions, you know the drill. So go to workhardplayhardmastermind.com, fill out an application, and we'll jump on a call to see if you're a fit. All right, let's jump into today's episode. You are listening to a very special 12 Days of Christmas Work Hard, Play Hard episodes. These are episodes that I think had the most impact. So I wanted to share it with you as we are approaching the end of the year and getting focused on our goals and what we want to do in 2020. So I hope you enjoy this countdown. Gary, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You know what? I got to tell you, man, I have been looking forward to this for some time. And here's why. I am an absolute unapologetic diva about flying in business class over coach. But I don't want to pay top dollar to do it. And you found a way to solve that problem. And I had to have you on the show. So I know that you have so many things going on in your world right now. And I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I don't blame you not wanting to uh, travel coach. Uh, I, I personally uh, started off flying coach, flying around the world until just came to a point where I just couldn't sit more than six hours upright. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough. 
All right, awesome. So what I want to do is I'd love to cover a little bit about the kind of work that you do, a little bit about how you have some fun in your life. I know you got the travel bug. And then we're going to wrap it up with some fun, rapid-fire questions. Sound good? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so I think a good place to start would be to start at the beginning because I believe that so much of who we are is informed by our backgrounds. Can you maybe give us an example of the kinds of things that your parents maybe did with you when you were a kid growing up in Brooklyn, say from ages 10 to 15? Well, I was raised by my mom. She was a single mother and the the ultimate hustler. Your mom was the ultimate hustler. Yeah. She mm. uh, literally had about four jobs. She would leave the house at 6 a.m. She'd come back at almost midnight. Uh, she'd travel around the country to find ways of bringing home uh, money for me and my sister. So ultimately, everything I learned was, I guess, from her. So you learned sort, you learned sort of a work ethic by just being around it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it was, I guess you can say it was instilled into me. Yeah, and for also sure. Not, not having my father around, I sort of, I wanted the role of, I guess, taking over. I hated seeing her do so much work. So literally at like 10, 11 years old, I was just thinking of ways to, to make money. Or And I, I know that sounds crazy at 10, 11 years old to have to do that, but uh, something in me triggered and uh, it just, it went from there. Well, that's for sure where this entrepreneurial spirit you have came from. You know, there is, I was born in Brooklyn. Oh, really? I grew up in Queens. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And uh, I've been in Atlanta now for 30 years, but you know, I've got perspective because I left, I left the boroughs 30 years ago and I, you know, I go back and forth, but I'm able to sort of see things very differently living in the South. You know, there is a, uh, there's an entrepreneurial grittiness um, and maybe, you know, to use my wife's word, a scrappiness that people from Brooklyn tend to have when it comes to success. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that's the case? I just think it's New York in general. Everybody's always rushing, you know. No. Uh, and you're right. You you go you go to the burbs and everything is calm and cool. There's a there's a need to succeed here and there's a need to be better and stronger and faster than everyone else. I I don't know why the the competition is so fierce and why everybody has that attitude, but I, I guess that's that's the main reason. Everywhere you go, especially in Wall Street, everyone is just racing, 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 racing. I think it's been like that since at least for the past 30 years. Yeah, for sure. It's changed quite a bit. You know, I'm watching something on HBO. I'm 52 now. So I grew up sort of in the, in the really crime ridden, you know, New York times. And so I'm watching a show now on uh, HBO or one of those called the deuce. The deuce. I just started the second season. Great show. It's a great show. And it's reminding me of, you know, how, bad it was at that time when I grew up. So you're right. I think that environment really just, you know, gets, if you want to, you know, it's like Sinatra said, right? If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Exactly. Your background is Russian, right? I remember growing up in Queens that it seemed like one day it became Moscow. (laughs) It was like, (laughs) it was, Russia was everywhere, including, you're familiar with uh, Gary Vee, right? Yeah, of course. I had a conversation with Gary Vee about this because I grew up in Rigo Park and so did he. We were a couple of years apart and he was one of the kids that came into my neighborhood from Russia 
And, you know, we had a, a, a nice long talk about what it was like for him from his perspective and, you know, what it was like for me because there was no Russians around me. So were you born here or were you, or were you born in, in Russia? I was, born, I was born here, actually. I was born and raised in Brooklyn. Okay. But you have sort of like, you must feel, are you in a, a Russian area? I used to be. I was in Sheepshead Bay, which is very, very Russian. And I moved uh, over to Bensonhurst, which is like half Russian, half Italian. Uh, yep. I have I got a lot of uncles and cousins that pretty much did that same move as Gary, where in, in like the late '80s, early '90s, it was just it was just bad to be there in Russia. And you know, when they came here, they just saw so much opportunity for the taking, and um, the gates just opened. And uh, you know, Brooklyn pretty much became little Russia, Queens, Regal Park, Forest Hills, uh, just flooded, flooded with Russians trying to make it. So interesting that now things have flipped so much. One of the uh, one of the events I'm booking for uh, the listeners of this podcast is a mastermind, and we're doing it. One of them, we do three a year. We're doing one of them, which I'm going to need your help on, um, is in Moscow. So you know, it's incredible how things have flipped uh, quite a bit. Now I want to talk to you about something else. If I understand correctly, you are into competitive touch football. Is that right? Uh, I am. I'm a big football fanatic. Big football How fanatic. did that happen? I grew up playing sports. Um, I grew up playing hockey, actually. That was the, a big one for me. And then um, ever since uh, fantasy football really came to life uh, way back when, that really just took me by storm and uh, I just fell in love with the game. Uh, we try to get a game every week going here. Uh, there's a big, big park in Brooklyn uh, called Marine Park. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's fun. It's it's good to get the anger out on the field versus uh, anywhere else where the anger is not needed. You know, you, you get to play with your buddies, uh, take the stress out, relax a little bit, obviously try to abuse the other team you're playing against, you know, so it's a lot of fun. I mean, I'm having the thought of playing. I mean, I've seen your pictures. You're a big dude. I'm having the thought of playing football with a bunch of guys uh, in Brooklyn. Scares the shit out of me, to be perfectly honest <laughs> with you. Even if it's, even if it's touch football. <laughs> you know what it is? It's. I don't think you should be worried about the game. I think the recovery afterwards is real. Is the yeah. real killer. <laughs> <laughs> Let's fast forward a little bit to 2009. Can you tell us the story of how? Alpha Guru was born and how uh, Vladimir and Yev entered your life. Uh, well, I met Vlad through some mutual friends out in San Francisco. They started uh, Alpha Flight Guru, uh, which is a booking agency uh, where they were pretty much the first ones in. And with their relationships with the airlines, uh, these guys really cornered the market as far as uh, getting discounts and whatnot. And when I met them, I was already pretty heavily traveled, but in coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, in coach class. And um, I just just caught a really good vibe with him and, and his team. And me and him have just been friends ever since. Being an entrepreneur that I am, I, I knew there was a big business in travel, but an even bigger business in luxury travel. Because there's people flying all over the world for business, and they won't sit and coach. Uh, so luckily, you know, he took me under his wing. Kind of mentored me, uh, not in sales, because I've, I've been doing sales for God knows how long, but regarding this industry. And he showed me the ins and outs with his blessing and with his guidance. I founded the Flight King, which pretty much uses the Alpha Flight booking system because their booking agency is top notch. 
on point 24-7. If, God forbid, there's an emergency, these people are readily available for myself and, and the clients and whatnot. So with with my sales techniques and their booking, we just we go hand in hand very, very well. And uh, been rocking ever since. All right. So now I want to go into more about the Flight King. People... Yeah. Most people, myself included, feel like there are basically two options. You either use your miles to upgrade or you pay the money because the prices are so high. But you have many different tricks and strategies that offer different options, which is a much more affordable way to get into business. Can you walk me through... Let's start off at this level. Can you walk me through a typical call that you get from someone and what you're able to do for them? So typically, for example, Europe is a big market for us and um, Europe and Dubai. Well, let, let's focus on Dubai a little bit just because the, the prices there are, are outrageous if you, let's say, go through the retail channels. So for example, somebody would say, hey, I need um, JFK to Dubai. I'm looking for first class, business class, for example, on so-and-so days. So typically the process is as follows. I'll go online to uh, Kayak or Orbitz just to get an idea of what the retail prices are. I myself, I'm pretty curious what these guys are asking for. You know? So uh, typically I'll let the client know, for example, like, hey, first class is their ask price is about 25K. If you can be a little bit flexible on your days, let's say day before, day after, I'll try to get that Emirates flight for you at least 60% off. So that alone is, is huge. Because mm-hmm. uh, whatever they're saving, they could use on hotels, they could use on client meetings, or whatever they want to use their savings on. As soon as I get to qualify the guy to know that he's serious and wants to s- save that kind of money but still has that kind of money, um, I'll begin the search process to see what's available. I'll send over the itineraries and options for his approval. If he does find the winner, the process is super simple. I'll send over a secure checkout link for him to review the itinerary. Uh, enter his passenger details, enter his credit card information through a secure server. And once that's filled out, we'd begin the booking process and send over a confirmation email uh, with e-tickets, seat assignments, confirmation numbers, pretty much everything he needs to uh, see his reservation online. What are typical costs? Let's let's drill down a little bit with Dubai. What's, you know, if I'm going to look, if I'm going to book a trip to Dubai today for I'll give you the benefit of the doubt and say somebody says, "Oh, I'm I'm, I'm really going to do it in advance, and I'm going to do it for next month." They go online, they type in, you know, from here to Dubai. They live in New York. Walk me through what they're going to pay for business and first and coach and what you can do. So, for example, JFK to Dubai, let's say October 9th to the 16th in business class. Their ask price, I would say, right now. On Emirates uh, for the nonstop option, it's probably ten to thirteen thousand in business class. First class is a little over twenty, and coach is probably around two grand. So okay. uh, right off the bat, off the business, I can probably come in at around four to six k versus ten to thirteen. First class, their ask price is a little over twenty. I can get numbers anywhere from eight to ten thousand round trip. Coach is a little tough just because there really isn't that much of a margin for savings. But on a $2,000 ticket, I'd probably get it down to like seventeen, eighteen hundred bucks. So it always is going to make sense for somebody to book their air through you 
coach is sort of negligible and I'm not sure it's worth your time for a couple hundred bucks, but certainly for business and first, that's your sweet spot, right? Yeah. I mean, I hate to turn away business. You know, if, if, if you need help booking a coach ticket, I'll, I'll get it done for you. But yeah, the, the biggest margin of savings is definitely business and first class. All right. So now I, I know that you can't reveal how the sausage is made. <laughs> um, and I'm not going to get into that specifically, but can you educate us maybe how things work and what most people don't understand about getting great prices on business and first class, me included. Like, you know, you and I talked the other day and, you know, I'm looking to, uh, to book my mastermind and, you know, you just said something that I didn't know before. And you said, don't, don't keep searching because the more you search, the more it knows that you're interested and the more your rates are going to go up. Yeah. So what's really going on here? How, like what's going on on their end? Why does it keep going up? How are you able to get these prices? And you know, feel free to just say what you're willing to say and not willing to say. But it's just so confusing. I don't really understand it. So there's definitely a lot of algorithms built and a lot of bots that monitor everybody's searches. So for example, if you keep searching a route over and over and over again, something's going to trigger on their end and they're going to be like, all right, well, this guy's going to go. So let's pump it up a little bit. Let's scare him to show him that all oh, the prices are so much because seats are being filled up and it's going to entice the guy to be like, oh man, I, if I'm going to wait even longer, it's going to be even more. You know, so that's a trick that one of the tricks that they use. As far as us, there's a lot of things that we do and I don't mind giving you a little bit of the, uh, of the juice, I guess. Uh, one, of the, yep. one of the biggest things is that we have 30 years of relationships with airlines. So what happens is that they allocate exclusive inventory to us firsthand, first come. Not every flight is available to us every day. So that that's why you might find me pushing a little bit of flexibility. Uh, that'll benefit the customer more because the more flexible he is, the more I can search through what I have and save him money. So... Because we get that exclusive inventory, that's really what differentiates us and everybody else who tries to do what we do. So that's a big, big, big point in our in our discounted market. Uh, another option is that we manually build these flights ourselves, like versus just going to kayak. It'll populate for you, and that's done. We build these itineraries leg by leg. That helps us save money, also. And you know, some of the relationships that we have also help. Let me unpack that a little bit. So. You've got 30 years in the industry, and I'm assuming that this is sort of from Vlad and Yev and Alpha Guru start, right. right? Okay. So there are a lot of airlines, right? There's 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 Delta, United, blah, blah, blah. They have relationships. How, how do you possibly have relationships with all of them and have them all leave you exclusive inventory? Like, how does that happen? Is it just... Is it like one person that you're dealing with or does the airline just recognize that you do so much business with them or how does that come about? So uh, we, we don't work with every airline. We, we try to focus on the four and five star guys. Uh, so like the two and three star airlines, we just don't touch. Sorry, what's an example of a two and three star airline? I don't really, I don't know if it's best to bash, but okay. like, for example... Well, let's do it the other way then. So I don't want to put you in an uncomfortable position. Tell me, tell me what's an example of the higher class airlines. So, for instance, if we're going to Europe, I love working with Swiss Air and Lufthansa, Air France. Uh, if we're going to the Middle East or Africa, I love using Emirates, Qatar. Asia is probably my favorite because they have my favorite airline, which is Singapore Air. Uh, but there's Singapore, there's Cathay Pacific, Korean Air. 
these guys are really, really attentive to the person traveling. As soon as you step on board, but let me rewind. As soon as you get into that lounge, it's, it's you. They want to make sure that you're fed, that you're drinking, that you're comfortable. It's just so much, so much attentiveness coming your way, which is what really makes these guys stand out. You know, putting the beds aside, they're gorgeous and whatnot, but it's that feeling you get of like, hey, enjoy your trip. Have a good rest. Anything you need, we're here for you, you know? And they're constantly battling amongst one another. Like, for example, Emirates and uh, Singapore are always trying to one-up one another regarding their first class. And that's like the best thing you can ask for because it's getting better and better and better and more innovative. And ultimately, the consumer is going to win because he's going to have a fantastic product. Mm -hmm. What's an example of a first class that has blown you away where you're just like you it's almost even worth it to fly this airline even if you don't want to go to this place because the first class is that good (laughs) that's a good question for me i think it's singapore air there's a story i have where i flew um a newlywed couple uh they were going from new york to bali and with singapore unfortunately there are no flights from this from new york to singapore so you you have to stop. So from New York, you have to go New York to Frankfurt. That's like an hour and a half stop in Frankfurt to drop people off, pick them up, whatever the case is. Then you go to Singapore, then you go to Bali. So that adds extra stops and time. But honestly, uh, people don't care. So they rolled out the couple suite for them where there's two beds pretty much joined together. Rose petals, champagne, <laughs> closed doors, like in it's it's crazy man it's it's so so crazy and he's messaging me on the flight and he's like literally his words like hey bro about to get it in with my girl i'm like dude what are you what are you doing be careful you know don't let him don't let him catch anything but long story short they started their vacation on that plane if you follow what i'm saying you know and they made a baby (laughs) (laughs) something something was rocking and it wasn't turbulence you know what i mean wow that is insane. So just let me get this picture right. It's actually, in, in with this particular airline, it's actually a private room, door closed, and two beds that were pulled together so that they can just, you know. That was back in the day, yeah. Now they have the two beds and two chairs in the same room. It looks like an office with a bedroom. Just to give me perspective, how much would something like that cost New York, Bali? So that particular route is not from the, the new upgraded seats aren't available from New York yet. They're pretty much based in Europe for now. But either way, even if you took the other seats, you won't know the difference. That's also probably like a $25,000 ticket per person. Um, they pay twelve grand for the both of them. So you're kind <laughs> of coming in at 50% off business rates. This is a little more, I'd say, but uh, for first class, yeah. I would say I would say the average savings uh, if if you're flying to my market of expertise, Europe, Asia, Dubai, I would say you're looking at anywhere from thirty to seventy percent off retail. Okay, let's uh, let's take a domestic. Let's say New York, LA business class on Delta. Uh, as as much as I'd love to do that, there's just it's almost impossible to get a discount on that. How come? Uh, but I'm the type of guy that. I, like if I can't help you, I'm not going to just hang up the phone. I'm always going to try to point you in the right direction uh, for the sake of you know doing business with you in the future and yep. and establishing that relationship. So domestic, my heart belongs to JetBlue Mint Class. I won't go on anything else. Interesting. That that see, have you ever flown? Have nope. you ever flown Mint Class? Nope. No. 
What's it called? Mint class? Mint class, yeah. They're, that seat domestic is probably better than 25% of the guys going international in their business class. Wow. It's insane. Yeah, there's a picture on my Instagram of me and my wife traveling on it. It's just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Clean planes, huge seats, good food, good service, awesome. I would recommend you do that if you're going east to west coast for sure. And but they're out of New York, right? No, they're all over the place. They're Fort Lauderdale, New York. Uh, are they in Atlanta? Miami, no, I don't think they're flying okay. in Atlanta. Maybe they are, but they don't have the mint class from there. That's for sure. Oh, okay, that's why I don't know much about it. Yeah, you're a Delta hub. I'm a Delta hub. That's right. Uh, it's Coca Cola and Delta. How do you <laughs> how do you approach helping people choose a seat? In other words, most people don't think you know, about that much past the window, the aisle or the middle, or if they're a little more advanced, they might use something like seat guru. What types of things do you consider when discussing the seat with your client? So, I mean, seat guru is good. Uh, it's a bit outdated in terms of some airlines haven't just really populated their new aircrafts yet, but I, I, I like to stay on seat guru. Um, I know most of the layouts on a lot of these planes, but there are some seats where the window isn't totally, you know, facing you or something like that. So I sit down with them together, uh, sort of make it show them that type of uh, handholding experience. Like, hey, uh, I've been on this flight before. I would suggest you guys sit here versus here because of this and that. You know, uh, we, we're really, really hands on. We're super uh, customer service oriented. You know, if there's a particular seat that they want, we'll try to get it. If it's available, it's theirs. If not, you know, we'll. The best way to go about this is just to be open-minded. Some people travel last minute and there's not much available. So typically what I do is like, look, tell me if you want window or an aisle, I'll shoot for it. And what I can guarantee is I'll try to keep you away from the bulkhead, keep you away from the bathrooms and the galleys and whatnot so that you can rest without all that noise. And typically it works out. I thought bulkheads were a good seat. Are they not? It's good if you're flying uh, coach, I guess. I personally don't like that barrier in front of me. It's mm-hmm. it's it's really, I guess, a preference. Some people love it. Some people can't stand it. I don't like it. Yeah. People say that they love it, but I'm not sure I love it either because there's nothing in front of you really. Well, I guess yeah. if you're flying business class, you do have a little a little, some, little something you could slide in. But um, Right. Okay. So for you personally, I know travel is a huge passion for you. You've been to Singapore, Abu Dhabi, Buenos Aires, to name a few. What is it about travel for you that, you love the most? In other words, why are you so passionate about it? Oh, man. Anthony Bourdain. That guy. I'm still shocked that he passed. Are you familiar with Anthony? Anthony Bourdain? Very, yeah. Everything about travel, he brought to life. Uh, Even if you're not able to leave, you could literally sit down, watch his series, and see everything that goes on. For me, the biggest thing is meeting people. I want to be out of my comfort zone. Like I went to Israel by myself just to go, just to see what it's about. A lot of people are saying, wow, that's crazy. Don't do that. You don't know anybody. But I said, F that, I'm going. Just a culture shock, meeting people and food. You know, um, The world is a lot bigger than constantly going to the Caribbean for vacations with your families. You know? Save up some money, start in Europe, work your way down to Asia, get through Africa, go through Australia, back to South America, and you're, and you're back home. That was pretty much my strategy. I started in Europe, went down all the way around and came back up. You know, you mentioned Tony Bourdain and I had a a weekly ritual 
every Sunday, uh, I'd watch a new Anthony Bourdain episode and it was just a thing I did on Sundays. It was my way of sort of like, you know, I'm an avid traveler myself. So, you know, watching him and when you're into travel, it's just, there's nobody who does it. Nobody, it's, it's hard to say, but nobody who did it the way that he did it. And there's a, an interesting podcast I think you'll like. Joe Rogan interviewed uh, his executive producer two weeks ago on his podcast, and they talked for three hours on what it was like traveling with him, shooting the shows. Mm. And it was a really, really interesting podcast. But have you seen on Netflix, Somebody Feed Phil? Uh, no. So when he died, it was just, honestly, it was too hard for me to watch him because I just, it was just too hard. It was like haunting. So I was looking for, to get my travel fix. And I came across on Netflix, something called Somebody Feed Phil. Anyway, I did some research to make a long story short. I interviewed him last week. If you, uh, if you go on, actually, I he's on that. my feed. Phil Rosenthal? Phil Rosenthal. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I saw that. Okay. So Phil is, he created a TV show called Frasier. And then he went on to create a TV show called Everybody Loves Raymond. It's a nice guest to have. What, yeah, one year he was talking to Ray Romano and he said, I'd like to do a show in Italy. And Ray didn't have a passport. And he said, why do you not have a passport? He goes, I don't, I don't want to see other cultures. And they got into this whole conversation and he realized that two out of three Americans do not own a passport. And the third that does have a passport only uses it 30% of the time. And he said, this is just crazy because, you know, we're fighting with each other like crazy. What if we, what if we connected more through travel? And so he started a show called Somebody Feed Phil, where it's, uh, he promotes it as he's Anthony Bourdain, but afraid of everything. He said, if you could imagine Anthony Bourdain, who's scared of everything, that's me. And <laughs> it's shot by the same production people, 0.0, who shoot Bourdain's show. Um, so I would suggest that you watch it because he's just this nebbishy, nerdy Jewish guy from Queens um, with hundreds of millions of dollars from Everybody Loves Ray, Raymond, shooting the show. He's in his third season and he's lovely as a person and his show is incredible. So I tell you that story because I know that you'd appreciate it. Oh, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. This is locked up. I'm going to binge this for sure when I have some time. Yeah, you're going to love it. So I noticed something with you, and that is your Instagram feed. You have such such an amazing Instagram feed because it does two things. If you're into travel, you lust after the business class. Like the, the worst feeling in the world when you're getting, getting ready to get on a plane and go for eight or nine hours somewhere and you got to make that right and go to coach. Um, it's the worst feeling in the world if you've ever been up front. And your Instagram feed has pictures of your happy customers from athletes to celebrities to influencers that are taking a picture, thanking you. They're taking a picture sitting in business or first class, thanking you for what you did for them. I cannot think of a more effective sales tool. Frankly, that's what led me to do this podcast with you. And, you know... The fact that they're willing to take the time on a plane when they're excited about what they're about to do to make sure to thank publicly the person that got them the airline ticket is remarkable. It's remarkable. And that says so much for who you are. So maybe you can kind of paint that picture and elaborate a little bit on that. 
first off, you definitely don't have to be a celebrity to fly like one. Uh, just right off the bat, you can be a, a regular Joe. You can be a business guy, a family that loves to travel. If you have the budget, I will take care of you. You know, it's it's not just about celebrities and influencers, but it's a good feeling when some, somebody shows you some love, especially when it's unexpected and you don't ask for it. You know, I was always under the impression that a lot of these influencers have millions of millions in followers and they want everything for free and this and that. And I got to tell you, I was super shocked at how down to earth everybody is. And well, at least the influencers I do business with, they understand people need to make money, right? You know, they have, people have families to feed. I was lucky enough to do business with guys that aren't asking for anything for free. They just, you know, they want to be taken care of. God forbid there's an emergency where the plane is delayed or they lose their passports. They want somebody to be available. And that's my phone is literally never off. Like, for example, Jonathan Chabon, Kim Kardashian's best friend. I met him through a model in L.A., a buddy of mine, Niels Visser. Super, super chill kid. Uh, Just like, hey, I found you through this and that. What can you do for me? Uh, I booked him a flight to Asia with his girl. Uh, they did a little shout out for me and he introduced me to Jonathan. He's like, you know, dude, I have a monster for you. Take care of him and you'll be happy. I said, Hey, that's great. You know, it turns out Chabon is from the same neighborhood as I am. He's also Russian and we just, you know, we hit it off and he's such a, such a nice guy to just talk to. I was under the impression after watching all these shows, like, forget it. You, you can't even talk to him, you know, but yeah. he's like, you know, take care of me. I promise I'll do the right thing. And out of nowhere, he puts up a story of him sitting in a Swiss air business class seat saying, Hey, thanks, Gary. You did an amazing job, blah, blah, blah. And so forth and so on. You know, there's guys like Yoon Olsen. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's no. like the, the skier. He's based in Europe. He's uh rep by Red Bull monster, monster travel blogger. He actually featured me in one of his uh, video uh, blogs, vlogs or rather uh, in Bali of him flying Emirates Airlines and all the top guys and literally just sat there and towards the end of the video goes, you know, I like to find tickets on my own, but I've had some help and I want to thank Gary, the flight king, this and that. And I'm just like, wow, you know, I didn't, I didn't ask for that. It's amazing. It's amazing. And it's, it's something that's feeding itself because more it, because now it's starting to come into my world where people that I know uh, you know, it's one of these things where you hear somebody's name come up once. It's like, okay, I don't know who he is. Set two, three, four times. And then after you hear it five or six times, you're like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> <You know what? laughs> All right, let's move into the play hard section of the show. Um, most entrepreneurs are super driven and they don't take the time to play. Play hard does not have to be champagne spraying in Saint-Tropez, although it could be. It could be something as simple as taking time off to read a book that you're trying to get to. The point is, what are you doing in your life that's not related? So a couple of questions in this category. What's a typical Saturday morning look like for you? I know you got a new baby. Yeah, yeah. His uh, name is Josh. He's turning yep. two years uh, in a month. Congratulations. Uh, uh, thank you, man. I, I'm up early. I, I, I hate sleeping late. 7 a.m. I, I, sometimes I wake up earlier than he does. I'll start cooking. I'll make food for my wife, for my son. I'll lay everything out. I'll take a nice long walk with my dog. And uh, that's how pretty much a Saturday works with us. I let my girl sleep in a little bit. And when she's up, everybody sits down to a nice breakfast. Hopefully the weather is somewhat decent. We're out in the park. You know, we're kicking a soccer ball around. He's on the swings. I'm throwing water balloons at my wife. You know, we're trying to stay (laughs) stay young. We're trying to have fun. You know, that's, that's really the most important thing. 
It's awesome. If you could spend one month anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? That's tough. I'd say Japan. Why? I was there for a week and I barely uh, scratched the surface. I was there for Mm. business. And there's just so much history there. I'm a big, big history buff. And also I'm a big sushi fan. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll eat some wild things. Uh, hence why I love Anthony Bourdain, but just Japan, you need at least a month there to see everything, you know, Okinawa, Osaka, Merida, everything, you know, it, that's where, that's where I would go for the, for the culture and the history. I love it. You're, you're really going to love somebody feed Phil. Cause one of his episodes was in Japan where he ate a thousand year old egg and he was on, <laughs> he was on Jimmy Kimmel last night talking about it. Oh, really? Nice. Uh-huh. If you could go to only one restaurant before you die, where would your last meal be? Oh, man, I'm, I'm a homemade type of guy. So I would probably go to this Russian restaurant that's a couple blocks away from me. As much as I love food from all over the world, in the end, I'm a sucker for anything homemade. So there's a Russian bathhouse in Shibsa Bay area where besides the bathhouse, they're known for their kitchen and culinary skills. Let me, let me ask you a really uninformed question. What is a Russian bathhouse and what does one go there for? One, to get away from the missus <laughs> with your yep. buddies, you know. Yep. Um, so you go there to steam. You go to the release a lot of your toxins, a lot of the bad energy. You know, you have steam rooms, you have your saunas that are like 200 degrees and you're melting away in there. You know, you sit around with your buddies, you smoke a cigar outside. Uh, me and my friends, we sit and we play cards for hours, drink a couple beers and... Uh, the food also. The food is really what drives us all the time. It's just a it's a it's a good way to escape, a good way to get away. I would recommend it. If you're ever in New York, please it'd be my pleasure. I'll take you. It's on me. Do you oh when you go there, do you always steam? Or do you do you sometimes just go social? I, I'll I'll go there for lunch once in a while, but ninety-five percent of the time I'm going to to catch a schwitz, steam, hit the sauna for sure. To catch a schwitz. So that's where that Yiddish word came from. When you're sweating, you're schwitzing. That's it. Ah. You know, I interviewed a guy two weeks ago and I asked him a question. Um, I said, what's one thing you should throw out and probably never will? And he said, my schmuck. And I was like, what's a schmuck? Do you know what a schmuck is? I don't know. So when, when you get circumcised and they cut the, uh, the, the schmeckle, right. that thing that's left is the official name for it is the schmuck. Really? Oh, man. Which is why they refer to people negatively as you're such a schmuck because that's what they're, ref- that's what they're referencing. I love, I, I'm just, I'm fascinated by where words come from. <laughs> yeah, indeed. What's the thing that's rocking your world right now that has nothing to do with work? Amazon. Amazon. The guy's going to take over the world. Mm. Uh, you know, you literally never have to leave your house. You can buy clothing. You don't like it, return it. You want groceries. You don't have to leave your house. Hit the button. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a finance guy also. You know, I like to watch the market and see what else is out there, what else I can get my hands in. And just the whole Jeff Bezos story, that there's a there's a good book actually about it called The Everything Store. I don't know if you ever read it. Or heard I've about heard it. of it, but I haven't read it. So, you know, it pretty much just talks about the rise of Amazon as a giant. That really just blows my mind. Fascinating uh, stuff. Yeah. How much time do you take off to recharge and refocus each week? If any. At least once a week. At least once a week. Sunday is my day. 
my wife is with my kid. I'm at home. I'm watching football and uh, Red Zone, seven hours, commercial free. And, <laughs> and that for me, that's that's my recharge, honestly. That's that's really all I need, just to relax a little bit, quiet, nobody's here. And then that just gets me the fuel for the It's week. very Gary V. He does the exact same thing. Yeah. He's a Jets fan. I'm a Giants fan, though. Yeah, I know. I know. If you had all the time and the money in the world to pursue a hobby or recreational activity, what would it be? Football? Yeah, but I would like to I would like to learn golf. I'm terrible at it. So I would I would hire if I had all that money, I would probably get Tiger Woods under my under my team and show me how to properly hit that ball. Because I've tried and I game, cannot right? do it. It's, it's crazy. Not easy. Yeah. What's the one thing that you've always uh, wanted to learn outside of sports, but just haven't gotten around to yet? Probably different languages. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Fact, well, you speak Russian though, right? I do. Yeah. What language would you most want to learn? I want to, I, I'd like to learn Spanish just because it's so heavily used. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much anywhere you can, you go, you'll find some, something that can relate. Uh, Spanish and with Spanish sort of comes Italian and French a bit, not French as much, but Italian. So I guess that sort of buried under the same thing there uh, and probably Hebrew. Yes, 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 yes. All right. So let's move into the last section of the show, which is the rapid fire round answer as quickly or as slowly as you would like. It's the first thing <laughs> that comes it. to mind. He's ready to rock. What would your friend say is one of your superpowers? Sales. What's one of the things that you're afraid of right now? Oh, man, don't tell anybody, spiders. <laughs> what keeps you up at night? My son. My son being healthy, successful. Yep. Welcome to parenthood. What book have you re-listened to or re-read, if you listen to audiobooks, the most? I'm a big Dan Brown fan, so The Da Vinci Code, The Lost Symbols, Angels and Demons. I'm reading those things all the time over and over again. Did you read the new one he's got? Origins? Not yet, no. No, okay. no. That's on my bucket list. What's the one thing you own and probably should throw out, but you never will? A really old and dirty signed Tiki Barber jersey that my girl can't stand, but I will never part ways <laughs> with it. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to give a TED Talk on nothing that you're known for, so we're going to pull all the flight stuff out, or nothing that you talk about, and it could be on anything that you have a passion for or anything else at all, what would it be? A negative people. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I can't stand cancerous people. I can't stand people that bring you down just because they're in a bad spot. So I would probably do a talk and sort of teach people and guide them how to really just fire those people from your life. I love that term, fire them. Oh, that's so good. Okay, last question, and we're going to switch things up. What one question would you like to ask me? How'd you get into, uh, into, into this business, broadcasting and whatnot? So I was a chiropractor for, uh, for 25 years and, um, I just started over the last five to 10 years getting bored of it and I had a passion for travel. And so we started traveling around the world and right around the time that, um, YouTube started getting big and, um, people watching, you know, shows online became big. We, we shot a, uh, a travel show. Uh, if you go on uh, to YouTube and type in jet set life, you'll see 30 travel videos um, that we shot all around the world. And from there, that led into a podcast called Work Hard, Play Hard, because what I recognized was a lot of people that were reaching out to me um, about the the places that we were going to and the videos that we were shooting 
they were just really interested in living more of their life from a certainly from a travel perspective, but they weren't doing it because all they were doing was working. And so I kind of created a little bit of a Trojan horse to talk about enjoying life. And I created a podcast uh, called Work Hard, Play Hard so that we can talk to entrepreneurs like you about work, but we can also talk about passionate things like, uh, like playing and travel and how people do what they do and, and we can learn from each other. And so it just uh, became an evolution. Love it, love it, love it. Cool, man. Well, listen, congratulations to you and Samantha on uh, welcoming uh, your new baby boy, Joshua, to the world. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. Do you have any final words, suggestions, or an ask for the people that are listening? In terms of travel, the best thing I would advise is to obviously reach out to me if you want a deal. But um, also, you know, keep an open mind. Uh, when it comes to getting deals, trust that you know, we have your best interest at heart. Uh, for us, it's not always about the money. We want to make sure that you have a good experience. As far as um, life, fire the negative people, enjoy yourself, listen to this podcast to see how people are doing things other than just work, work, work. Because uh, that's what I think you're portraying pretty much here. That's right. Is, uh, you got it. You nailed you it. Wanna, you know, just like live life, enjoy, don't stress. If everyone's healthy, what the hell else are you worrying about? You know? I'm going to leave it right there because that was beautiful. Gary, thank you so much. We're going to link up in the show notes uh, to uh, to your Instagram page, to your website. Um, and in the intro, I will give everybody all of the details on how to get a hold of you to book and upgrade their, uh, their experience on airlines. It was a pleasure. Awesome meeting you guys. Thank you for taking the time out to, uh, to do this with me. It meant a lot. I look forward to working with you, Rob, and uh, establishing a good friendship uh, down the line. Me too, brother. Have a great one. All good. Thanks. Bye. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live.